Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? It's Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and that means it's time once again for the Relic Grind. Ready Check Radio's Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix podcast, where we chat all things Final Fantasy XIV and, of course, all things Square Enix. Funny how it works that way when you name the podcast that way. That's what you cover. We got a lot to go through today. Of course, we are just a mere hours away from the next live letter the last deep dive into the 6.2 info that we will get from Yoshi P and team prior to its launch very shortly. I guess it's, it's going to be soon. Don't worry about it, gang. You won't be waiting long from this live letter. Of course, we will cover on next week's show uh, all of our thoughts on this final live letter heading into 6.2. We'll go, we got a couple Final Fantasy things, uh, Final Fantasy 14 bits and bobs to cover today, but it is that time once again, we're doing the show live, twitch.tv slash readycheckradio, 7 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday. If you're watching on YouTube, listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, any of the platforms we're distributed on, give it a like, give it a subscribe, a review, a comment, but more importantly, tell your friends. If you like what we do here, it's easy, fast, and cheap to tell your friends, hey, check this out. Of course, you can head on over to readycheckradio.com and all the socials and all of our backlog episodes right there available for you within grasp going over everything today with me including the final fantasy trading card game rebellions call legends review as always it's mr adam lane the chronos one what's up sir what's going on i don't know why you want me to talk about these cards but i'll try my best we'll see <laughs> um, well see you bring like a while ago you would have brought like the all-time, you know, always competitive player perspective, but I think now you bring the, I still know how to play, I still dabble as a casual person kind of just watching the metal meta unfold with friends. Do these cards inspire me in any way to, like, build a deck and head to locals next weekend? So uh, yeah, you yeah. bring value. It's just different value now. It's just That's true. It's just different value. Yeah. See, look, I'm justifying your existence for no, you. You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Also on the line, Tark having the day off, so we called in a special guest, friend of mine. We've dabbled in uh, some of our streams, playing some FFTCG, chatting cards. You know him, you love him if you watch FFTCG content. We've got Mr. Travis Pfeiffer himself. What's up, sir? Hello, Michael and Adam. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm very happy to be here, and I'm also a longtime 14 player, too, so I'm not just going to be a, a bystander during that section. I've been playing since Realm Reborn launch. Nice, yeah. nice. Unlike our last uh, guest, he knows what tombstones are. <laughs> Yeah. It'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Like I said, we don't have a lot of 14 news, but we do have a little bit, so we'll get to that in a second. Travis, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on and chat FFTCG uh, Legends with us. Pre-release weekend okay. just finished for the new set, Rebellion's Call. There's still some stores working their way through events this week, and even some this weekend. We've rescheduled one or two on our side to accommodate some new players. Pittsburgh growing scene right now, so welcome to... All of my friends there that are joining the game, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk a little 14 
before we get started. Uh, the team over at Square Enix did put up a series of videos this week. A series of videos this week. There's seven videos, Kronos, specifically targeting the new player experience. Now, what I found glaringly missing here was actually creating your damn Square Enix account and getting everything running. Uh, 14 still not, I mean, it's a far cry better than 11 still, but it's not exactly the most user-friendly system to get your Square Enix account created, particularly if you're playing on something like Steam or through a third party. Like, there's no video on that. But getting in the game, things you would do in the game, managing inventory, like, it is a neat, you know, kind of animated-esque uh, walkthrough of a new player. I personally want to see your take on the videos, though, because while I personally found them like, okay, that's neat, um, I also kind of went, man, you probably should have done this like six years ago, <laughs> like six or seven years ago, or arguably I could see an argument being made for a year and a half, two years ago when things kind of started going a little wild again in wave two of lots of new players coming on board. This seems a little late. Uh, it's welcome, of course, but I also felt like there was quite a bit missing, but maybe that's me as a longtime experienced player. I'm like nine years removed from being a new player anymore. Uh, am I alone in that? Or, or what did, what was your take when you watched them? I mean, first takeaway was, I mean, they're pretty cool. I think I'm glad they finally did them, but you're, you're not wrong. They're super late. Like this probably should have been in the game. And like when the game was re released, to at least give someone like I don't know, or at least Heaven's Word. But um, I mean, better late than never, I guess. And it looks, you know, it's like, I think it's a fine introduction. I have some small gripes with it. I mean, there's obviously they're not gonna be able to cover everything in like these little seven small videos. No, no, so, not so at all. Stuff, stuff's definitely gonna be missing. The only, my only like one little small takeaway gripe is I just wish that when they talked about healers, they don't just talk about them like they're just like sitting there. Like <laughs> they showed a clip of like a scholar. <laughs> Sitting in Sestasha just like casting physic. And I'm like, no one does that. <laughs> no one does that. Like, it's just, I don't, I mean, you know, it, it, I agree. You want to like at least teach them, like, you know, the, that he, healing comes first. You know, that's definitely a thing. But like, you know, I, I just feel like they, they always shy away when it's like healers doing damage. They don't want to tell people that yeah. healers do damage. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the, don't say that part out loud. <laughs> like, yeah. just, you will be expected to do damage, but we're not going to warn you about it at all. What about you, Travis? Did you check out the videos? Like, do they? I did. Did, would oh, you, would you, you recommend those to a friend that, that was like, "Hey, should I check out 14? Or would you just be like, "Hey, let's go explore together"? Like, it's, I still feel like just getting a friend is probably easier. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing that is comparable for hands-on experience and having someone who's played it lead you through it. Like you said, I'm, you know, 2013 was almost 10 years ago, so I'm very far removed from being a new player. Like you said, I do remember having issues with setting up an account and get, that's the hard part. Yeah, you know, right? Once I get into the game, yeah, I make what my class, I make whatever job I want. I make my character look however they want. That part's easy. That's the fun part. It's the getting the setup. If they had no one else to guide them through the game, sure, it can't hurt to have them watch those videos, but I, I don't think that's a substitute for having someone there to help get you through it. It didn't look like, I will say this, they didn't like half-ass it. 
Yeah, uh, they were cute. Uh, yeah, they definitely. I've seen other games covering them for you know MMOBomb.com for the last decade plus or over in Game Break. Like I've seen. MMORPGs half-ass these little tutorial videos or these little new player-specific videos. They didn't here. There there was some time and some love put into them. Can I gripe about little and nitpick things that are missing or that I would have said, oh, a new player could really use that if we're talking about this topic? That Sure, but also then maybe you end up with six videos that are 45 minutes long and now it the whole yeah. point is gone, right? They're so cumbersome and and long that you're just like, ah, forget it, forget it. <laughs> if this is what it takes to get into it, I, I think they do their job and they do it pretty well. I'm gonna yeah. give them credit for them, but I do I do have to say, yeah, it's probably a little late for that. I can't imagine there's too many more totally new, don't know what Final Fantasy 14 is people out there that are gonna be coming in anytime soon. Yeah, it's funny they would release it after Endwalker. All right, now that the main story is over with, <laughs> right? <laughs> time to get the people in. Maybe it's for prep for the next expansion or something, so they can like send them that way. I don't know. I mean, maybe at least they're there. At least they're there now. Go check them out. Give them a thumbs up. You know, again, feed those algorithms for things like this that you do like, even though they may not do a lot for you right now. Go ahead and click like on them, and and at least let the teams know, hey, there is value in this. Maybe let's just be a little more timely next time. Uh, let's. Our boy Super Lewis sixty four is at it again, at it again, working his way through the jobs in Final Fantasy fourteen with ridiculous controllers. Kronos, what the hell are we doing this week? What the hell's <laughs> going on here? He did a book for Scholar. Pretty sure. Uh, I saw it like a couple times before you even shared it, and then I watched it. I mean, I don't know. I, He's going to go through every job at this point, I think. Well, yeah, that's like, his goal. Like, he does a flash of, like, the it's the character portraits, basically, for all the classes, and he puts himself in the portraits for the ones that he's done. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's made this big-ass book that he can write in to cast spells. And write in is being generous <laughs> because of the way everything works. Uh, and this, this started from trying to figure out a way to write your mom on a uh, piece of paper and have it actually trigger an ability. I, the healing classes are a little tough, aren't they? Like they're, they're he, and he even says in the video, Kronos, that like, I really was nervous about testing this one out <laughs> because there are other people relying on you here. Yeah, but maybe it'll also make other people pick up some slack too, which people don't do in dungeons. But uh, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's a dungeon at the end of the day, but yeah, I mean, he's playing with a pencil and a piece of paper, so like, it's gonna make it ex exponentially harder to to like. I, I did he actually say how he has to target people? Like, I know he how he does abilities. Well, he has he has um on the pencil he has a joystick. Okay. Yeah, there's a joystick that's able to be used for moving and targeting. It's basically, and, and he worded it the right way, I thought. He was like, it's basically just a really bad Xbox controller at this point. It looks like, it, it looks like he's about to detonate a bomb. <laughs> like he's holding a pipe bomb. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I still love his videos. Like, the Travis, like as, as a content creator, I'm sure you can watch these 
setting Final Fantasy aside and, and your love for Final Fantasy and 14 in particular, just like as a content creator, we could sit back and just go, there's a lot of love put into these videos, not just in seeing if you can get the gadget to work, but just like the editing and the narration and stuff. He, he does a really sharp job. Absolutely. I'd never even heard of him before. And I saw oh, this. Really? I was like, holy cow. Like this guy's got some time on his hands and some know-how to to go through all <laughs> you know i always hear those videos about oh i beat dark souls with a rock band controller and all that and, and what dedication to his craft to not only dress up like the character try to imitate them too oh yeah i don't play scholar much i forget do they actually write in their book like do they, I, I think they mainly just wave their hand they wave their hand yeah. yeah they do a lot of hand waving yeah he did uh he's done a bunch of them I like he did Astrologian with the Yu-Gi-Oh wrist card thing. I saw that you have to uh, do this. That's great. I, we talked about on the Snowbound podcast before we put that on hiatus. He did Overwatch with a trampoline and a ring fit. Uh, and actually had to run on the tra trampoline to get his Overwatch game. The dude was sweating buckets by the end of, play, I'm sure. of playing it. Krona's just shaking his head. I mean, look, I mean, if you want to play it, like really terribly i mean I, I don't know i just it's yeah i think it's interesting and cool and it's he's definitely a great content creator it's just like but i every time i look at it i'm just like i would never ever want it like i, I would i wouldn't even get fun of doing out of doing it i would so just be miserable you don't want you want you don't want to clear savage on a dance pad like no, we talked about I last week no i don't i just want to beat savage on a keyboard in the mouth <laughs> i don't even want to play on bad <laughs> uh last big piece uh, before we head over and do our legend set reviews, you know, typically Yoshi P hits the interview circuit right after a live letter or, you know, just as things are getting ready to launch. I'm sure when we cover the live letter next week, there'll be a slew of interview bits and bobs that we'll, we'll probably find in the days after the live letter that we'll add into our review. What you typically don't see, uh, at least not to the extent that this one happened is Yoshi P dropping quite a bit of information about an upcoming patch in an interview prior to the live letter. He's normally Kronos like more teasing and, and he does like a little bit of teasing back and forth on a few topics in, uh, in these interviews we're going to talk about, but he did sit down with uh, Famitsu and blitz online and talked a lot about 6.2 and a lot of it was Kind of, there was some like new bits there. There was stuff they hadn't said before. There were reiterations of some things they've said before that maybe many of you aren't listening to. Like Island Sanctuaries is not a housing replacement for about the 900th informal time uh, for them to say this. But the the interview really uh, hit some spots, hit some spots here. And obviously we have to rely on translation uh, coming from Famitsu, so credit uh, to, of course, a number of users on Reddit who were kind of doing real-time uh, translation on this one and, and posting it. Uh, starting off here, I, I think we should talk about the story arc, right? Because we've used, we're used to this uh, expansion releases, then the Dot series starts building up the, the or completing the expansion story by about the Dot 3 patch usually, and then dot four dot five is kind of used to build into the next story that will really kick off with the expansion, then wind down at the dot three patch. He kind of in this interview said, "No more. We're we're done with that. We finished our main story. We're done. And in fact, the story we're telling right now, 
this is not leading into necessarily the expansion. The core part of the main story quest we're telling now, this is going to be done in 6.5. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be bits and pieces that lead into the larger narrative of the next expansion, of course, but we won't be heading into the expansion on kind of like the high note story beats that we have been previously. And I kind of think I like this approach a little more, Kronos. I kind of think I, I... In the past, there's always been that like kind of dot four, dot five. the story almost isn't worth it. If you're not busy or if you're too busy to play, that's fine. Come back two weeks before the expansion and knock them out real quick and you'll be all caught up. Uh, and while I'm sure if you want to take breaks, that's appreciated from a story arc, they've always kind of dot four, dot five have just felt like low beats. We're just waiting for the expansion. Uh, let me get to the other content where maybe this will space the story be uh, beats out a little better. Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, I, I feel like they still might revert back to the old way once the new expansion comes out and they've started their new storyline. But because they're, the way they ended it, this is kind of the route they're doing, and, and I, think I think that also. I think only if they plan to continue the story through multiple expansions, like the a Realm Reborn it, story running through Heaven's Word. And... I guess I, I just assume they would do like another large arc, but you're right; they might just do smaller arcs um, going forward, which might be better, honestly, because the Asian thing kind of carried pretty long. Um, but yeah, I think it's fine. I think we even touched on this last week a little bit. It might have been like before or after the show, and me and Tarkath were talking about like the trial series and yeah. how we were pretty sure they were going to be part of the MSQ and he pretty much hard confirms that. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think makes total sense. I think that way, like you're going to get all the, the four fiends. I think I, one of them is probably going to be a dungeon boss. I think he kind of soft confirms that as well. in one of the interviews, I'm pretty sure it's Scar Maglion at this point, which then means uh, maybe the first boss will be Cagnazzo. I'm assuming that's just a guess, but um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I like that the fact that the trials are going to be, part of the MSQ, I think that's way better than having to go off and do some side quest for him. So, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see. I want to know, because he doesn't really touch on this, he kind of like does, but not really, like, are they going to try to end the Void thing 100% before, or is it going to carry a little bit? Like, or, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, because I think he even says at one point that uh, we'll know where what we're doing in the expansion by the point five patch, which, Jesus, I hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. Plus, we'll probably have a fan test but before then. So, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I'm, I'm excited for it, though. I'm sure there was more in this interview that uh, was more interesting for you. In, oh, in yeah. just a moment, yeah. we'll come. Yeah. We'll come back to it, though. We'll come back to it to see what Travis thinks of uh, changes in story delivery for fourteen. So, what exactly is changing? Just that he's not releasing as much on the point four point five patches, or like I, I was kind of struggling to understand what exactly he was changing. So, in, in prior expansions, the main story that is being told in the expansion has usually been wrapped up in the dot three. Like, yeah, it, like okay. it's done. And then dot four and dot five are used, have been used historically to small story their way into this is where the expansion is going to go. Gotcha. Okay. And yep. then that story that they've started in four and five is the story that carries through the expansion and ends in the subsequent dot three. What, Interesting. What he's talking about doing now is hey, we finished 
what for all intents and purposes was the main story, right? The scions and all that stuff from a realm reborn. We finished that in mm -hmm. dot in dot O. We're telling a bit of a story now in dot one, dot two, and we're gonna continue that story in three, four, and five and kind of bring that little mini arc to a close in six five and roll into the expansion with our new with story. Brand new. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is I, I don't have my sub active right now just kind of for money reasons. And I logged in on a free player login weekend the other, you know, a couple weeks ago. And I started the new story after finishing Endwalker. And I don't know, I kind of was just like, eh, I don't know. I like the Endwalker was a nice finale to everything. So part of me was like, I don't really want to start again. Like, they're like <laughs> oh, the signs. I was like, no, I'm good. Like, we, we finished it. I don't need to jump into another thing. So that's interesting. Uh, surely that will give the expansions more impact too. If it's like, hey, this is brand new, brand new adventure starting the expansions. Yeah, I, I definitely felt a little default. But again, I don't know if that's really the game's fault as much as it's just for me as a player, I kind of got what I wanted out of it. So I didn't feel the need to just keep going through it. Sorry if that wasn't a good answer. No, 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 no. I think no, that's no. A I, typical player, to be honest. Yeah, think, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think that's what typically people do. I think they do what you do or what you did this time. Yep. Um, I think a lot of people just beat the expansion, then they unsub for a little while. And then in past times, probably come back in the point three, wrap up the story, take a break come back before the expansion and then play into the expansion. I think that's what most players do. Oh, okay. Obviously. I mean, most like more, you know, like the more cat, the people that are just like there for the MSQ, want to play some yeah. dungeons maybe every now and yeah. then. Not like your typical person, like your raiders and such, but I think that's pretty typical. Yeah, and I think, Travis, you're right. I think it does uh, add a little more oomph, a little more selling power, if you will, to the expansion in that you're not buying something just so you can continue or see the conclusion yeah. to a story you're already playing you're buying the expansion to kick off a whole new story. And yeah. like content wise, that doesn't make a difference, right? Like it's, right. it's the same amount of work and development. It's just being done in, in a different timed window than, than before. But perceptionally, that is a little different than, oh, I got to buy the expansion just to see how this story I've already been playing ends, Kronos, versus dude, I can't wait to see what's the story this expansion. Like, where are we going now? Not where are we going to finish where we're already at. I do think there yeah. is a bit of a perception difference there. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I like, like I said, I, I enjoyed the patch, at least like where they're going and the nods to like the previous Final Fantasy titles. So, so I'm a big fan of at least what they're doing right now. Maybe that would change if like I, I wasn't. I mean, I didn't like it as much. Um. But yeah, I, I feel like, though, this is still going to lead into, like, he's saying it's not, but I feel like what we're doing now, I just, I don't know, I feel like we're going to Maricidia in the expansion. I think so, too, yeah. And I'm pretty sure, you know, that's why we're doing stuff with, you know, Retra and his sister, who's, you know, pretty boned. Um, and that's where the Four Fiends and stuff. So I, I don't think the Four Fiends might, I don't think they're going to carry into the expansion, but I feel like what we're doing now will still carry into it in a way because because it's got to do with the dragons and stuff, I guess. And maybe that's what he means because it's not the big part right now because obviously right. everybody's focused on Golbez. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. So <laughs> Yeah, I kind of read it the same way. Like this, the the primary narrative right now is Golbez, the Fiends, and, and all that stuff. That's going to be done. That's going to yeah. be done by 7.0. And, and 7.0... Yeah, we kind of continue with the dragons, go to Mercidia, and that's kind of our segue into 7.0, but our big story beats now are just done 
by the time we get there. I do want to give you a few minutes, though. He did talk raiding. He did talk dungeons. He did talk difficulty, as he always does. He also talked about tombstones mm. uh, and confirmed something we suspected. Based, I was pretty sure. We yeah. were pretty sure it was going to be the case because of the savage timing change with this particular patch. Uh, and I want to get your take on a couple of those. So what did you think reading through there? Uh, so I guess I'll start with like the easier one to tackle. The, the dungeons, it's kind of more of just like what I expect. I just want to get in there. I want to see like how it works. I mean, he's describing difficulty, and that's cool. Uh, the casual st- part of it sounds a lot of fun. Like Sounds like probably something I'll do multiple times and get all the different variations. But the savage is really what I'm interested in. I really want to see like how that functions and how hard it really is. And I won't really know that until we get in. And that's probably going to be in the point five. So I'm excited for those. Um, the big thing I think that got people's feathers ruffled was uh, the fact that Tombstones are going to come out with the patch even though the raid is delayed by a week. Um, the Savage and raid. Yeah, the Savage Raid. Right, the normal one is still going to release on time yeah. and with the idea that they want more people to enjoy the story and the raid story as well through the normal modes and anything else that's in the patch. Because if Island Sanctuary, I don't think that's been hard confirmed yet, but it sounds like it might just be straight up in the launch of the patch. Or at least that's what some people are saying. They want people to enjoy that stuff before like diving in and just skipping everything and going to Savage. Um, and I think that's great. Like I think it's good, but a lot of people are complaining that now the Savages are going to be easier because he said he's not going to balance around having a week's worth of gear. And like, yeah, they'll be like real, like a little bit easier, but I don't. I think people are blown out of proportion. Personally, um, I don't think the race to World First is going to significantly be shortened because they're going to be able to go into the last fight with a Tombstone weapon and everybody's going to have EX Primal weapons. Like, I think it will be shorter, but I still think it's going to take more than a day, probably. Now, if it takes less than a day, then, you know, maybe that is bad. I mean, we'll yeah, see. I did see quite a bit of feedback, though, on how that does change things for crafters, though. It what's your, what's your what's your take? What's your take there? So, crafted gear, you're going to have a week to get it now. So, the market board day one isn't going to be as hot. You're still going to sell. People are still going to be buying it just because they. some people just want to get the new gear. Um, I think a lot of hardcore raiders are probably like, so, like happy about it because they could kind of just like wait and then grab stuff kind of throughout the week when they, when they want it. And then also crafted weapons are going to be bad. I think that's the biggest one is because, yeah. because EX primal weapons exist. The, the crafted weapon, maybe some of them will be a little bit better if you pentameld them. But I think for the most part, most people are just going to take the primal weapons in because they're, I think almost always there's a slight damage increase over the crafted. So weapons are going to be bad, um, which is, that's not good. Uh, but the uh, the gear itself, I think, will still sell because you're still going to have raiders go in. And I think actually, as a raider, it's a good thing because that means day one everybody should go and pentamelt it. It's not just going to be your top end FCs, right? Who, ha- who have an army of crafters pentamelting their gear and then they come out of the second fight and they're like, "Here you go." Like it should be most raid groups now are going to easily go in with fully pentamelted gear if they want to, uh, plus the the extra tombstones. I think it's a, a net good thing. It only really negatively affects mostly the crafters even on a casual level and you're like one percent really hardcore world progress but i think they're still going to be fine personally but we'll see i mean maybe there's something they might, they'll probably have to adjust some stuff for sure and i understand why people are upset but i think i think this is a step in the right direction honestly 
And remember, it's not set in stone yet either. They're, they are trying this this patch with making what Yoshi P called in this interview uh, as few changes as possible. The primary mm -hmm. change being all we're doing is bumping the Savage. We're going to bump that a week. Tombstones, we're leaving that alone. We're, leave, we're leaving everything. We're just bumping the Savage. And we want feedback. Uh, so honestly, if you hate it, let them know. If you love it, let them know. Because well, that's kind of the point I right have a now. I have a quick question for you, Mike, because you yeah. don't really week one Savage Raid, right? I do not. I do not. Okay. I usually catch would, it in like week three, week four. Would you be mad if they delay the tombstones also by a week? Um, uh, because I think you're the person that that would that that, that would affect the most. Yeah, That's yeah. what I'm asking. Like, because I think Raiders would prefer. I think hardcore World Pro Raiders would prefer they delay both. Right. I'm just, but I think casual people, and then I think Yoshi P even points this out. Casual people would be mad. And I'm, so I'm just curious, like your thought, because it doesn't I bother me. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. It doesn't bother me. Okay. Um. Yeah, I personally wouldn't care. I do see the argument of somebody that plays the way I do being miffed if it was backed up. Uh, tombstones were backed up a week because then it feels like I've got this content that I have a net zero gain out of for seven days for no particular reason that impacts me at all, right? The reason yep. that they would delay it is for those people that are ultimate, I'm sorry, savage, uh, hardcore progression day one get in there. And mm -hmm. now what? I'm zero of 450 all week for no particular reason? Yeah. Besides this arbitrary world firsty racy thingy. Pretty um, much. Yeah. I enjoy the watching the world first races and things like that. And that's, you know, and forming my group up and giving people a little more time to gear up before we go in there a couple of weeks. But so I see the argument and, and I can't disagree with it. It just personally doesn't bother me at all. I'd be like, yeah, yeah that kind of sucks. I don't get a piece of gear or I don't get the weapon in, in week one, but whatever. Whatever. It's a video game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a video game, Travis. <laughs> well said. Well, I was going to say, you get capped at 450, so what's the most gear you're going to be able to even have? Like a so, pair of gloves, a hat? Well, so here's the thing. Because the Savage is week two, yeah. uh, you, you have to take into account you're going to have 900. You technically yeah, if can you grab out um, in the second week and on day so one, yeah. Uh, since you, I think you said you played just the expansion, so I don't know if you've rated this expansion. So they reduced... The amount a tombstone weapon cost from a thousand to five hundred. Oh yeah, I didn't know so, that. You cut them in half. So every world first raider is going to cap the first week, right? And they're not going to have time to get nine hundred tombstones because they're going to go in a asap on Tuesday. But it doesn't matter. Right. They come in queue for one random and they got their weapon. Yeah, they're, they're on, gonna, on they're, day one of week two. They're going to kill. Yeah, they're going to kill like the first couple bosses, and they're going to have enough tombstones to get a weapon. And they're going to kill the third fight, and they're going to unweather the weapon, and they're going to go into the last fight with an extra weapon that they wouldn't have had in any previous raid tier, plus coupled with the fact that almost never does the World First race come down to getting an EX Prima weapon, and they're all going to walk in with those as well. And then everybody's probably going to at least have an accessory, and then some people are going to have... And then you have one DPS probably that has like a big piece yeah. that will be able to unweather after the, the third fight. Do you, do you worry as a Savage Progression Raider, though, that because of these changes that we're talking about right now... Um, they have not really tuned the fight with these things in mind. They've said they've kind of just, or Yoshi P in this interview said they've followed the same methodology. Um, so does that potentially trivialize DPS checks that are comparable to previous so, Savage DPS checks? I think that's what people are 
are bad about right now. That's what they're saying. Um, and and we'll see if that's true. I don't think it's true. And the second Savage tier is typically much harder than the first, and he even says that. I think a lot of people are going to go into this thinking, oh, it's going to be easy, and they're going to get shit pushed in. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to laugh. And but I, yeah, So I don't think it's really going to affect much at all, to be honest. And, as, and for me, from my standpoint... I. I get to like enjoy stuff for like an extra week before I just go straight. Like I get to prepare more. Like I'm normally not going in there with all the crafted gear because I don't, you know, my FC is like 12 people. You know, we don't have a bunch of crafters sitting there. So like now I'll have all the crafted gear. I'll probably have Pentamelty gear going in week one. I don't normally have that. Um, and I think that's going to be the case for a lot of people that are in my, and like we, we're more, we don't go 18 hours a day or anything. We just kind of go pretty decently hard week one. Um, so having that, I'll, I'll have access to 900 tombstones before yeah. I step foot in there. So, um, that's a pretty big deal. Like, so we'll, we'll see. I, I'll need to like come back to it probably after I do it myself, but I think it's going to be basically, the, I'm probably going to have pretty much the same experience from like my level of play. Yeah. And we're going to get a ton more information about this. I'm sure, uh, in just a few hours when the live letter, uh, kicks off. Wrapping up this interview, though, Travis, they talked more a little more about Variant Dungeons, which is something we've been on this show uh, looking very much forward to, where you do have, like, switches and the ability to toggle different things that will actually change boss fights, putting in different mechanics or different routes or even just different bosses that you're going to fight because of the way you go through it. Uh, the Criterion Dungeons, uh, and Adam's already mentioned the Savage difficulty there. We also got some Island Sanctuary news. Uh, they're not going to be really connected to the rest of the game, so you won't be able to like just zone in. There's a very specific, you know, take the boat to it type deal. Uh, but you will be able to be on your island sanctuary and in a queue, which that to date is not something they have said, but I was really happy to see it said here. You will be able to be in a matchmaking queue while you are in your island sanctuary, but they did reiterate this is not a replacement for housing and some smaller topics. They, they did mention Hildebrand as part of the Relic quest, and they said, yeah, you know, we, we want people to go back to a Realms Reborn and Heavensward-style content, and the best way to do that right now was to go with Hildy to, to kind of push people into those zones and, and see what happens when Godbert and Geralt get back together. PvP on that front, we're going to see improved season ranking rewards after everybody was pretty disappointed with the underwhelming rewards from the first season and we will see some features they didn't show some features that people have previously been using mods for starting to be implemented in the ui so a lot of interesting stuff and it wasn't even a live letter travis it wasn't even the live letter he was just sitting down with some press Sounds good to me. I'm most excited about the Criterion Dungeons and the Variant Dungeons. Uh, I've been playing since A Realm Reborn. I am also a Savage Raider. I am not a world's first one, but you know I've clear, I cleared all of Eden in uh, Shadowbringers. And I, I've thought the game has gotten very easy over time. And as a healer especially, I felt like my job's gotten very boring. So it would be exciting which, for which, me. If, which healer do you main? 
Uh, white mage. White mage. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You brothers of another mother there with Kronos. All right. All yeah, right. we've talked about it before. But so if these are truly challenging dungeons, then I'm all for it. But I, I kind of worry, like it says, oh, you can flip a switch to vary things. It's like, okay, but is it actually going to vary it? Or is it like, hey, now he attacks to the left first before he does the right room cleave? Or is it going to actually be something that's like, wow, this is really challenging and I have to play well and I have to really focus on my healing and I have to split my healing and damage a lot. So so how easy the game has yeah. gotten over the past several expansions. I don't have faith for that. I would love to be wrong and I would love for this to be a and in particular, it would be awesome if you could do it for part of your daily roulettes. Let me queue up for a variant or a criterion dungeon and yeah, it that satisfies ain't, that my ain't, Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> it's like no, that's yeah, not particularly if you go like the savage difficulty, that's not even something that, that you can queue for, period, let alone uh, cue as a, a rando uh, a random roulette or anything so no that ain't happening I can tell you that one right now uh, I, I'll tell you this have either of you done veteran dungeons in Elder Scrolls Online no I've never played Elder Scrolls okay. Online so one thing uh, I, I hope like this switch flipping example that he gave I hope it works like that for those of you that have not Elder Scrolls Online uh, has a veteran dungeon and it's a different version of the regular. So think back when, like we used to get in 14, the normal the mode and the hard mode, right? So mm -hmm. we had like Hawkman or normal, Hawkman or hard, and it, they were different, right? Yeah. Um, that is what happens in Elder Scrolls. But in the last, in the final boss fight, they only do it there in the final boss fight, but imagine this in other spots, okay? There are criteria that you can meet sometimes it's as simple as clicking on an item and saying yes at the beginning of the, the boss room sometimes it's a couple of things you have to do in the dungeon on the way to trigger it either way whether it's as simple as a click or you got to accomplish a few things in the dungeon there are ways to unlock like almost heroic versions of the final boss and they are not simply oh, okay, this thing's going to do more damage to you now and take more damage to die. It is, in some ways, all the mechanics of the boss change. In some ways, the entire fight changes. Now there's ads that do these certain things, and there are zero ads in the normal version of that veteran. So they, they are substantive. They do feel different. They do feel more... They are definitely harder. That's for sure in Elder Scrolls. And they're not always there. It's you decide as a team, are we going to trigger it? Are we not? And on yeah. some of them, we have to go way out of our way and kill a special boss somewhere that you can only get if you've gotten certain items in the game that you would never even know to go look for it to trigger this special difficulty version. I like that type of stuff. I like that type of stuff. Uh, and I hope that this works like that. We're going to head over to Final Fantasy TCG, but I'm going to give you each a couple of seconds here. Is there anything you really, really, Kronos, are looking for out of the live letter in a few hours? Like, if, if there's one piece you want them to absolutely dig into, what is it? Job balance. It's always going to be job balance for me, for the most part. I, I'm always interested to see the changes to the jobs. Travis, you got anything on your list that, I'm, that you're it's like, Yoshi thing. P, talk? <laughs> It's the same thing, job balance, but in particular, like it, it worries me a little. There's that kind of mention of Dragoon of, oh, are they going to make it simpler? Are they going to like merge some actions? And, you know, I was one of the ones that got bummed when Samurai lost his uh, buff ability. So I was like, oh, just please don't make them like even simpler than they already are. Uh, obviously, I like job balance too, but 
Uh, to be different, I'm going to go with the variant and Criterion Dungeons. I want to see examples. I would love for him to do his, oh my God, I, I accidentally pulled type thing, uh, showing a little comparison of variant A and variant B or difficulty in a Criterion Dungeon versus the Savage. I, I, wanna, I would like to see that, to see that. But I have a feeling it's one that he's going to be like, yeah, you'll, see, you'll see, Yeah, please look forward to it. You'll see it when you play it. You'll see it when you play it. Uh, or I'd be happy with a slide that just gave examples of differences at this point. Just something. Just something. All right, let's head over and now let us know what you think. Because obviously, if you'll be watching this, if you watch it right after I post it, you won't have the live letter. But most of you will have seen the live letter. So let us know what you thought of the live letter, what you thought was the best, and what you can't wait for in 6.2 in the comments below. But gentlemen, I think now is as good a time as any to talk about Rebellion's Call. This is Final Fantasy fourteen, Final Fantasy TCGs. <laughs> good Lord, Mike. Final Fantasy TCGs newest booster set. It officially comes out tomorrow. Uh, Pre-release was last weekend, so all the cards are out in the wild. And as we do every time we uh, have a set, we are going to go ahead and show off the legends and give you our takes of them. And we'll be taking them on in Elemental. Whoops, that is the wrong slide. Uh, we'll be taking them on in Elemental order here. So, gentlemen, first up, we have five drop Edgar. 7K power forward from Final Fantasy VI Job King. When Edgar enters the field, choose up to two Category Six forwards other than card name Edgar in your break zone and add them to your hand. And a zero-cost action ability to choose one Category Six forward of cost three or more you control. The next time you use its special ability this turn, you can do so without paying S. So you won't have to discard the card name. You can only use this ability during your turn and only once per turn. Now, it is limited. has to be cat six. has to be a forward. has to be cost three or more that you control. So there are some limitations. But I'll tell you what. On first, I didn't even have to go to FF decks or anything. On, on first glance, I was like, yeah, that's pretty much all of them. I mean, even with those limitations, that's pretty much all of the specials you would want to use from Cat Six forwards. They meet that requirement. Kronos, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, it seems really good. Uh, as long as Final Fantasy Six is good, I think there's no way you're not playing this. Like, if if a tribal six deck or any, even if it's like a decent amount of six, it doesn't have to be full six because he essentially costs one, which is kind of nutty. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, I mean, just for off the top of my head, there's like older Final Fantasy Six uh, cards that you didn't really see the specials except for like maybe lock, like you'd see lock special back yeah, in the day. Uh, yeah, Opus Four lock sucks now. Uh, I mean, that is <laughs> awful, right? <laughs> like they don't even have yeah. to have the lock in hand anymore to get to get yeah. the unblockable effect. They just got to play an Edgar. But you can also play like some what ofs and still get their s's with this, yeah. which is kind of cool. I, I really like the design of like giving these alternate costs for like S abilities because there's S's have always been that drawback of like, you know, if you're playing for the S typically you're running three copies of that card. And in this game, at least when I played like uniqueness was a big factor and a lot, you know, all those cards of S's are unique characters. So I, I think this opens up some interesting avenues. And I think as long as Final Fantasy six is good, there's no way you're not playing this card. So Travis, I know you have done a full set review, and although I do watch all of your content, I have stayed away 
from your set review until we did this show. So I, I will definitely Ooh. go give it a view and and then likes and, and listen to your thoughts on all the sets. Uh, but I did not want any like spoilers on any of your thoughts so that all sure. of our reactions were genuine. What do you think when you look at your boy Edgar here? So forgive me if I repeat myself then if you watch it there. Uh, everything about this card reads great. I have tested with this quite a bit. This is six was the one thing I wanted to play the most. So that game. And in testing, it's actually a bit of a disappointment. Um, it's such a small body that it dies Damatrasu. It hits the break zone, so it can get misdragoned. I've had my targets misdragoned several times, and I've played five for nothing. And the part I didn't really think about until I saw it in practice was that, unlike another le legend we're going to talk about later, Glacella, where she has this field effect where the special is always live, yeah. Edgar has to actually choose a target, which creates a stack. So the first time I tried to give it to the new Sabin, I said, okay... Choose Sabin, he's gonna, and he said, okay, well, before that resolves, I'm just going to kill Sabin on the stack. And I was like, oh, huh. Well, that sucks. I guess I've done nothing now. <laughs> <laughs> so, And it, it, it's weirdly restricted to your turn as well, where Glacella isn't. So as much as I love Edgar as a character and I love this Amano art, I have to admit, playtesting it, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, Medic in chat just wants to get as many slots off as slots, possible yeah, from, from Setzer. Just <laughs> keep firing slots over and over again. See what you get, activating characters or uh, or breaking doll forwards that the opponent yeah. controls. That's pretty pretty nifty. Jeremy and Chad, what's up, my friend? How are you? Uh, saying the same thing that you were saying, Travis, is that the choosing makes this a rough, makes it, that's the downside. Yeah. Uh, having to choose one forward or choose one category six forward to be specific in this case. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I will take your word that you've done testing and uh, you're, you're, there's some downsides that you don't like. I still think there's some value here. I still think there's some ways you can mitigate some of those problems because in most cases, I would assume, at least myself, I would be running this in, in a fire ice build. <clears throat> yeah. I, and I think most people would be running this in a fire ice build. That does give you the capability to do an awful lot with your own Amats, with your own um, summon canceling Edward, if you're running him in the background. Obviously, there's a new Edward in the set. We're not going to talk about that today. That you know, maybe maybe the old Edward might not be in, in, in your deck, but that's different. You do have the ability to play into this almost cascading effect, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. use Edgar to try and get a special, and I'm either going to get a special or I'm going to bait out something that I'd want them to get rid of that I can then cancel or a mot over the top of. So I think there's some creative play space. We always rate them on a one to ten, and we always come back and kind of see like did did it hold up after play testing? I'm I'm gonna give this one a, a seven to an eight for me, Kronos. I think there's value here. I think there's a lot of fun to be had with it. There's definitely a lot of fun to be had. But I kind of agree with uh with Travis in that Glaciella is probably a little better for what you're going after uh than Edgar is. But he is a badass, so I got to give him like a seven or an eight, Kronos. <laughs> yeah, I don't really grade based on what the character, but uh, Edgar's like my favorite five is six character, so maybe that helps. Um, so ten, I, I, all right, all right. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm probably saying like a like a, like an eight, I think too. I, I agree. I think what Travis said, like those are definitely very good counterplays that like a smart player is going to do to you, like because it does activate the stack and he's seven k with an auto ability, so he just dies. 
But I think there's counterplay the other way too. Like maybe you end up playing like Lebrow or something in your deck to like make the Amaterasu a bit awkward, or maybe there's some other way. I don't know. But like I think all his text reads good. But yeah, I mean you could be right. Like once you play test, it's just not worth adding the extra cards. Maybe you're like diluting at that point, and maybe it's just not strong enough. But I think just at face value, it seems pretty strong to me. All right, so we got a seven to an eight. We got an eight. What do you what do you got there, Travis? I'll give him his own category. He's a nice six. He's got a, a lot of good text. I hope he does more the more I test him, but uh, definitely not not quite the beast I was hoping he would be. Fair enough. Keeping with fire, we've got category 14, four drop Hein, 8K power. If you control five or more fire characters and or category 14 characters, keep in mind and or. Hein gains haste when Hein uh, attacks. Activate all the Category 14 forwards you control until the end of the turn. They gain this forward can attack twice in the same turn. This effect will only trigger once per turn. Uh, and before we dig into this one, I am just going to mention this card sucked in pre-release. If you got this card and if you managed to pull this card, because there is there is more 14 than you think. Uh, in the in this rebellion's call set, uh, and then obviously because it's a combination of fire and or fourteen, he's very easy to turn on in in limited format. If somebody skews into fire just a little bit, like it doesn't even have to be their primary color, and this dude caused problems. We did have somebody pull it, and it was an absolute nightmare to try and deal with when you're playing in a limited format. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as strong in standard format. There are an awful lot of answers to him. But that said, that is scary text. That is scary text for people running heavy into Cat 14 in particular, Travis. Am I starting? Go for Excellent. it. Okay, so he and is another one I've gotten to test quite a bit and see it. And uh, yeah, he's every bit of scary, as you said. He's my favorite character from Stormblood, the new characters they added, and he's just explosive. If you play him in Constructed with the other Samurais, I have seen it five games now where it's like, oh, okay, it's kind of even two damage. Oh, surprise, you're dead. I just dealt you five damage out of nowhere because everyone swung and he reactivated. They all swung again and Cyan cleaved the board and knocked everybody out. And you're just like, oh, what the What happened? Yeah. I thought I was alive. Like, it's he's dangerous. A beast. It, it, he's a great name, too, because un see, another thing with Edgar is there is a really good Edgar backup that you can't play with this one. Hean, no one wanted to play the old Hean, so yeah, he's a you, perfect name. You only played it if you didn't have something better and only because it yeah. had the job Samurai. Like, that was the only reason you even considered the previous one. And nine times out of ten, you'd consider it but not end up putting him in anyway. Yeah, he would be great if he was on his own, but there's a lot of other samurai cards he got to support in this set too. Like, he's just a beast. I will be very surprised if samurais isn't very popular and prominent in this opus. Yeah, I mean, it took a little bit of a backseat, uh, Kronos, in, the, in the, mo the more recent meta, but not a huge backseat. It wasn't like tier one and then all of a sudden wiped off the board for a few sets and now is mm -hmm. coming back. It only took a slight step back. Uh, and honestly, it probably took a little step forward again after the banning of Mashari. Um, so it's it's just like slightly below uh, tier zero uh, decks already. This makes it f so much more frightening. So much more frightening. Yeah, uh, I think this card's stupid. Like, 
<laughs> just so just be so just on his own, right? Just yeah. if you just like think of him as playing him on his own, right? If you have five backups, okay, five like you're playing modifier. I'm talking purely constructed. Um, he gets to, he has haste and he can attack twice. Yeah, and That's and if you're and value. if you're in a and if you're in a samurai deck, you're probably mono fire anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, and, and that's just like base value. Now we're yep. not even like getting into like what he does to the other samurais. So like just that alone is already a pretty good card, right? Like that's already pretty good. And then I think we we touched on Amaterasu in the last card. You can Amaterasu this, but he's not dead. Yeah. So like you might do that to try to save your life, like maybe avoid those turns, like Travis said, where you go from two to death. Uh, but it, that's almost like a win for the samurai players because now you've done an Amaterasu that's like just like maybe giving you another turn, and my hands on the board. Yeah. So like, and here's the thing too. Like we obviously we're looking through the lens of samurai quite a bit here because that's a strong deck and his job is samurai. But he's even frightening in other things. Like mm -hmm. the 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 most recent Zenos that that does the peep reveal and and gives things haste and I like there are fourteen packages in fire, usually fire X right now, but they do carry fire that are already a little beefy and a little scary in certain mm -hmm. scenarios to begin with. I mean, I've been turned one Zenos and that's turned into me just getting raffle stomped sometimes if you don't draw the answer within within two turns. This makes it even worse. Yeah. It's a scary yeah. card. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see like it almost any situation where this card's bad. Like you might just play this dude if you were playing Motto Fire just in general, yeah. just for just, just for what I said. But I think when you start combining him with the fourteen characters and the other samurais who also happen to be fourteen sometimes, yeah. it, it can get kind of ridiculous. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give him a, like a nine and a half. Like, and and I'm really hard pressed not to just say ten. Like there isn't a bad thing to this card for me. Besides the fact that I'm not generally a Samurai's player, and I'm certainly not a Monofire or Monofire hyper-aggression player. Those aren't my play styles. So while I personally won't play this card all that much, probably, I might mess with something a little 14 spicy, maybe a Fire Lightning 14 spiciness type thing. But other than that, I, I don't see me messing with this at all. But I'll tell you what, every time it hits the board, I'm just going to be like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> that damn thing's on the board. Uh, so you know what? I'm going to break down and give it a 10. Like, there is not a bad piece to this card if it fits one of the couple of different play styles it happens to be able to cater to, Travis. I will also give it a 10, my favorite character from Stormblood. And when I use it in person, I'm going to make sure to use my uh, call out my favorite move from 14 <laughs> with a samurai and go, Midare Setsukeka! <laughs> what do you got, Kronos? <laughs> Yeah, I'll just make it a clean sweep. I think this card's a 10. Yeah, like, I don't... There's no world where this card's bad, in my opinion. Like, I'd be shocked if this card, like, just doesn't immediately see massive amounts of play. All right, so uh, clearly that card needs banned already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just three tens across the board. Yeah, that just needs banned. <laughs> Jeremy and chat, busted. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, segue into ice. One drop, Zizat. I'm sure this card have nearly so. <laughs> Zizat, uh, 9K power. The cost required, God, all this text. The cost required to cast Zizad is increased by one for each card in your opponent's hand. So we kind of see the lightning effect uh, on this one again. Uh, when Zizad enters the field, if your opponent has three or more cards in their hand, your opponent reveals their hand. Select one card in their hand other than a backup. Your opponent discards this card. So we kind of get the. Uh, the Kate Sith effect without the draw. So that's a neat effect that we still see played. 
And when this is out, attacks all the forwards you control gain 1,000 power until the end of turn. Okay. I'm going to admit uh, when I... Whoops. Uh, when I first saw this one, uh, I wasn't all that keen on it. I really wasn't all that keen on it. I, I'm not a discard player to begin with, but even looking at it through the lens of a discard player, I wasn't all that keen on it because I was kind of like, well, that's great. Um, I They need to have three cards or more in hand to get that effect, but I don't want them to have many cards in hand because I want them to cost one or cost two. Uh, that means... If I want his effect on a normal play, uh, I'm going to pay 4 CP for a 9K. All right, that's a little above curve. That's not too bad. Uh, that doesn't feel bad. And I'm going to get to peep, but I can't get rid of a backup, so I'm limited on what I can get rid of. And then he's got this little punk-ass on-attack effect, uh, which you know does change combat strategy a little bit, of course. I shouldn't m make too much fun of it. But then... My brain, Travis, kind of turned to, what if I didn't pay for him at all? <laughs> like, what if I, would Would I like him better if I didn't pay for him at all? Um, I think you would. Yeah, I feel like I would. Like, if I, I don't know, I'm a huge Ice Lightning uh, Al Cid guy. It's a deck I mess with a lot, an absolute lot. Been pioneering the deck. Um, what if I got him in that way? What if you're in fire, uh, ice and you go ahead and baby Phoenix him in? There is nothing on this card preventing play or cast from certain spots. And all of a sudden I liked him a little more. I still don't think he's great, but I liked him a little more than I initially did. Kronos. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of like this card. Um, I mean, I don't think he's like busted or anything. But I think he does everything kind of that Ice wants to do. I, I've all I've never been a fan of like the old Opus Three Zidane that could just pluck backups. I think it's really stupid that you can play that guy and then yeah. ru ruin Rich someone's brother. hand. Um, yeah, never, you, you like, got a fan in Travis. Once you, I don't once you start talking mind. bad about wind cards, Travis is on well, your team. <laughs> I, I don't mind discard like like peeking and discarding. I just mind like like if I play Zidane turn one, I'm not gonna go on a ram. I'm just gonna be very brief. And steal your turn one backup, like you can ruin someone's game. Like stealing a yeah. forward, you know, that might not, that could ruin it if they maybe they're like a super aggressive deck, but stealing someone's turn one backup is sometimes it's just like you can't come back from that. So I, I kind of like that it's limited. It's more fair, in my opinion. Um, I don't think paying four for that effect is that is bad. I think that's actually fine. Oh, no, like you said. no, I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, but it was and, just and, kind of like, uh, when you read the first bit of text, the second right. one seems a little counterintuitive. And then the last bit of text, too, I think is relevant for ice because they're usually smaller. 100%, forwards. yeah. Um, so so I don't think he's, like, great, like, like super busted or anything, but I think he's pretty solid. I see, I see you nodding a lot, Travis. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I feel pretty simpatico with you, Michael. He's not for me. I agree if you cheat him in, he's great. He's a great Bart's Boko target. He's great if you can Phoenix him in. But if I want a big one-cost beater, I'm going to play Lightning from yep. Opus 15, who was our big Ice Legend. And to me, he has anti-synergy. I am a discard player, at least I have been lately. Um, he has anti-synergy with all those cards. He says Faisalus doesn't work. Shantoto doesn't work. Adam doesn't work. Light so... It's we. I don't know. I don't really know what kind of design they were going. Maybe they wanted him to like B 
be good whether they had a big hand or a smaller hand i don't know but he's definitely not for me i'll try him i hope i'm pleasantly surprised by him but uh yeah i i, I can't see slotting this guy into decks i'm gonna put him in at the six i'm gonna put him into the at, at, at six out of ten i i think that's fair uh it's it's slightly above average, and I'm only giving him that six because he does not have text prohibiting him from being cheated into the field. Mm -hmm. uh, if he did, then it's, the car would be absolutely useless, I think, uh, in, in most decks that you would even consider putting it at. So I'm going to put it at six. I'm going to put it a little above there. It is Mobius. I am in fire or in lightning ice in the way I play, so there might be some cute stuff I can do. Uh, with maybe Maya giving Mobius characters haste and then changing my combat with an extra 1K. Like, there, there are some neat things I can do. So I'm going to give it a six. What do you got there, uh, Kronos? Yeah, so I'm th I think I'm going to, like, land on a seven. I think he's pretty flexible. He does, like, everything he does is pretty good. Um, so I think if you can find, like, maybe people will find some more interesting ways to do stuff, maybe cheating him in, like you said. So I'm going I'm to seven. Shout out to Medic Pretty saying that uh, Mobius artwork gets the best art. It does. I love his artwork. I love oh, that he's like no icing the sword as he touches yeah. it. I'll go with you. I'll give him a six. All right. The other ice, ice legend we've got is Five Drop Sarah at AK. Another one that actually caused a little bit of problems at uh, pre-release in a sealed environment this past weekend. We did have somebody pull this, pull the Mog target that uh, is in the set as well and hit it in two different games. Uh, so that really created... <laughs> Quite the advantage. Five drop ice, uh, 8K forward, obviously category 13. When Sarah enters the field, reveal the top five cards of your deck. Add one backup among them to your hand or play one job Moogle backup among them onto the field. Return the other cards to the bottom of your deck in any order. When Sarah attacks, choose a character, dull it, freeze it. If you control four or more backups, your opponent discards a card as well. I'm going to go, uh, obviously, synergy with Moogles here, but I'm going to... Pass that up for just a second so that I can give it to Travis since this does have some uh, fun discard implications. You can go first. All this potential, the card, the on attack trigger is undeniably just incredible. If you can resolve that, you dull freeze anything on their board and you take a card out of their hand, like, good golly, Miss Molly. Um, that's just incredible. Uh, now, can you get to that point? It's kind of weird because we've never really seen Moogles be a thing. There's not a ton of great Moogles. We got to a couple new ones, and she almost has this weird thing where, like, she wants you to play her early so that you can hit a free backup off of it, but she also needs a lot of backups then to get her big effect off. So I'm really hoping for this card. I've got my fingers crossed. But secretly, I don't think it's going to make an impact, and I, I hope I'm wrong about that. Yeah, Jeremy and chat kind of echoing, echoing what, what are my thoughts in, in my head, that although this is kind of neat right now, and maybe you could build around it a little bit at the cost of a lo an awful lot of slots, um, I think right now there are better Sarahs and better Moogle plays you can make if that's the type of deck you want to build. But I do think this isn't a card that you absolutely have to keep your eye on going forward. Uh, because all it's going to take, and we've seen it before, is, as Jeremy says, it's exactly what I was thinking. That one good Moogle card, man. Yeah. That one good Moogle card all of a sudden turns this on. It's already, it's already spicy, like question mark spicy, but it, it could become absolute fire down the road, down the road a little bit, Adam. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Travis. I think it's, it's kind of weird. Like it reads okay, and the, and the attack trigger is very strong if you can resolve it. Uh, 
Well, when I read the Moogle part, I'm kind of weird because I like I remember the 132 yep. starter Sarah, and I feel like she has better Moogle synergy than yep. this card. That, that's what I said. Right now, if you're um, building one, I think there's a better Sarah and better well, Moogle package so to then use. That becomes weird too because even if they print better Moogle cards, this just becomes like a one of maybe. Like I think you just want to play the other one. It's a burst. It it does two things with Moogles instead of yeah. just yeah. The one. Yeah. Um. So really, it comes down to like that attack trigger, which is strong. But it's also kind of slow, mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm not like super feeling this one. I, I feel like it's not. I could be wrong, but I feel like it's not going to be super great. And but it is one like because it has stuff with other like tribes on it. Like you want to maybe come back to, but I I don't. It doesn't read very well to me right now. There so. is also a lot in this set that specifically hates on forwards cost five or more. Yeah. Uh, that are relatively cheap, <laughs> so uh, it, it can turn into a. Man, you just spent five, and you whiffed, and it died. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, bad situation. Travis, I'm going to let you score this one first. I'll give it a five. I think she's average right there in the middle. What do you got there, Kronos? Yeah, I'm somewhere between a four and a five. I'll say a five just because the attack trigger is pretty good if you get it. I'll give it a five as well. We've got another Dawn Warrior sneaking in here at Wind. Uh, four drop Kelger, 8K. Again, Mobius. Cat 5, if your opponent doesn't control a forward of cost 5 or more, Kelger gains haste, first strike, and brave. When Kelger enters the field, you may pay one wind. When you do so, choose one forward of cost 5 or more. Break it, speaking of that cost 5 or more hate that I was just referencing. So basically, you've got, assuming you pop the effect, you've got a 5 CP, 8K forward, with haste, first strike, and brave, assuming that the target you killed was their only cost five uh, forward. Cost five or more forward, I should say. So, I mean, hyper-situational? Hyper-situational? <laughs> uh, but I don't think all that unreasonable right now, Travis, in a meta that, like it or not, has skewed uh, to kind of like the two and three cost range over the last two sets. Yeah. Over the last yeah, two sets. There's nothing about him that like reads bad, and yet there's nothing about him that excites me either. Like you said, if, if five costs are everywhere, maybe you're going to love this guy. But he also almost seems like a weaker form of Garuda, where she basically dealt with five costs and like drew your cards and such. And I don't know. The, the fact that like haste, first strike, and brave are great, great keywords, but there are a lot of 9Ks too. See, so the idea that, oh, I can just step a 9K in front of him and he dies anyways, I don't know. That's just kind of... And you could put a new 5 cost in the field and then he loses all of his effects and he's just a black belt. Like, I don't know. I'm just not feeling him. I've wanted Dawn Warriors to be a tribe forever. And it, yeah. it just is not. It's just It just is just not. And this doesn't help it. I'm very disappointed. How could they do this to my boy? How could they do this to my boy, Adam? <laughs> I, I don't think this is that bad. I mean, I I, I don't think it's again. I don't, I do, it's like I a, don't either, but I don't think it's good. Yeah. Like it's you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm almost disappointed. I am kind of disappointed. It's a legend. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. see that. At, at a hero, like, I don't think I'd be as critical. I mean, like it's kind of cool that he can has a way to kind of turn on his effect. Like you said, they have to only have like one in play, and if they have more than one, then you're gonna have to like find another way to kill their other one. Yeah, and, 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 and like, it do it does cause this like odd situation, right? Where like having a one five drop or more forward on the field doesn't necessarily mean you're safe because then his ability can be almost used as a combat trick in some scenarios, right? Where they you catch them declaring a block and you snap that five with a summon 
and, and now all yeah. of a sudden they're walking into an 8K first strike with an 8K block, and you've you've two for none them. There are some cute things that can be done with it. I just don't think it's going to see play. Uh, there's better I, things to do. <laughs> I, I think I think because he's green too. Like yeah, oh, yeah. the card pool is very big, at least from my knowledge. Um, where that's where I think he struggles more. It's not really that he's bad. Um, maybe some fire wind thing or something where like he can nuke a forward. You're not really leaning heavily into like the more windy summons. You're playing more fire stuff, and then the first strike becomes more threatening. Or maybe you're playing some wind ping, small pingy stuff. But I don't know. That might not even be good, anyways. So, but I, I don't think he reads bad. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I, I, I got to give it a like a three or a four, not because it reads bad. Just I think you're just gonna see it in a lot of binders. That's... I'll give him his own category of five. He's average. <laughs> it is beautiful Mobius art again, though. Ah. Uh, I'll give him a little bit more. I'll I'll say a six just because I I think he's better than Sarah. But we'll see. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> the other win legend. This one was spoiled a while ago. Two drop Noel at five k power. When Noel attacks, you may remove him from the game. When you do so at the beginning of your next main phase one, play it onto the field. When Noel enters the field, due to an ability of card name Noel, very specific wording here. Select one of the three following actions. Choose a character of cost four or more. Break it. Noel deals your opponent one point of damage. Search for one forward. Add it to your hand. At damage three, Noel gains haste. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hate this card. I absolutely hate this card. Travis is laughing because he watched a very long discussion in the, mm -hmm. the Pittsburgh Discord uh, where there were some people that agreed with me, some people th that disagreed with me. It basically turned into a team argument, <laughs> like team pro-Null and team anti-Null <laughs> going on in our Discord for a while. Um, somebody did pull this in pre-release this weekend. It wrecked. Like, it it absolutely wrecked. Um, that, that person went three and one, and in their one, didn't draw it. Like that was that was the difference, basically. It absolutely mm -hmm. wrecked. Uh, I, I'm gonna keep mine short because we're already over time uh, for the show here, and these these episodes normally do go a little longer. I one once you hit damage three, this card is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous to me, and there are very very few chances that you have defensively to address this. Uh, and I, I'm not a fan, and not just with this card, but any cards in the play space that we're, we've been examining over the last X sets where there's alternate ways to deal damage. Uh, yeah. when, when we saw with Sophie and, and, and with some other cards. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of that mechanic. I've found it bearable. Uh, I don't like that if you pretty much don't have the answer or draw it on your very, very next turn and you're at six damage, this card kills you. Like, there's just nothing. And you could have absolute control over the board state. You could... It, it does not matter. Uh, I'm not a fan of this, but that aside, I am going to score it high because it is absolutely strong. It can be used in some scenarios and absolutely wreck you. Just absolutely wreck you and change things. So I'm I'm a very logical <laughs> person. I'm very binary and and programming language oriented. 
I hate the card personally, but I cannot deny how strong it is and how good that wording is, Adam. Yeah, I think I think he reads pretty pretty good. Um, so like I, I think he's really strong. I think again though, when you're looking at green cards, there's a lot of strong green cards. Uh, I, I do think everything he does. I think at damage three, he's he's pretty nuts. I guess like I feel like he kind of fights with the uh, the two CPs of Dane, but maybe there's a world where you you can play maybe like two of him and three of the Zidane or opposite. Maybe he ends up being stronger. I just feel like the Zidane stealing cards is like so much more frustrating than like a five K that maybe I don't know. Like I feel like Zidane, you have a like kind of like a similar window to kind of get him get him out of the way before he starts really just taking all your Amaterasu sometimes. Like I've seen I've seen games where he's taken like two of those and like it's just really bad. Um but I, I do think if you get him going and damage three and you can get and you resolve this guy like twice, the game's probably over. Um so yeah, I think he's really strong. I just I wonder how much of him you'll see. Yeah. I think he's super strong too. In particular, I think everyone always talks about the damage three haste. I've seen players put him out turn one, say, Hey, do you have an answer? Okay, well, I'm going to proceed to break your backup searcher you put down to your next turn or get whatever yeah. forward I want or start hitting you for damage. And the thing is, too, in the game, in the past couple opuses, any two cost, the only really efficient card to remove these is Brynhildr because it draws you a card back. But even if you put this guy out and they immediately spend something to kill him, they probably spent more to kill him than you played to even put him out. And he is that, you got to answer this threat. Like, you can't just let him sit there and do his thing. So, yeah, I think he's super strong, too. Definitely going to give him a nine. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, and we haven't even talked. Jeremy's right. We haven't even talked about the search, right? <laughs> like, that's like... How powerful is a card when the worst thing it can do is search you a forward? Yeah, like, Tyro's effect. <laughs> it's pretty strong. The character, the, the fact that break is a character and not a forward too, is also yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it a nine, but and uh, the only thing stopping me from giving it a ten is the fact that I think it's in wind, and there may yeah. be more. Uh, or or Adam is right. There's a lot to choose from. Yeah, the end, there's so. probably different paths. Maybe you tuck this as a one of. Um, I don't know if you were gonna run a full three. Then I think maybe you're probably not in mono wind or or mm. or a heavy wind deck. Maybe you're in like a wind ice cat thirteen type thing. Um, there I could see running three, but the rest of that deck I don't I don't think is particularly strong uh, as far as competitive formats go so i'm gonna give it a nine uh because i think i think in, if he were in lightning this would be worse like if, if this were in lightning oh. i'd be really hard pressed to give it anything yeah, but it absolutely yeah i think it would yeah. be ridiculous in fire or lightning yeah. if he had these effects um but because he's in wind i think it's a bit more manageable but i still think he's insane I, i'm i'm probably i'm leaning kind of toward it now. i'll say eight and a half just because I think he's fighting for like some spots, but he's absolutely, I think, a card you're gonna see. Like people are gonna play this card. Oh yeah. Even if it's just one. Yeah. So um and, and he could definitely steal some games. For sure. Travis. Yep. Uh nine on my end. Uh moving into Earth. We've got three drop preach at six K, cat eleven. When Preach enters the field or attacks, choose a forward opponent controls. Preach and the chosen forward deal damage equal to their respective power to the other. So a, a fight effect on Preach. 
Uh, discard a card. Preach gains 2,000 power until the end of the turn. If the discarded card is card name Preach, Preach gains 4,000 power until the end of the turn instead. And at damage 5, Preach just natively gets plus 2k. So a 3 drop 8k at damage 5. Oh, cool. Above curve. Uh, I, I've actually seen uh, some of our locals trying to make fight decks work and 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 be a, an aggressive, viable option. I still think they're just not quite there. It is a, night, a neat little archetype. Uh, I am just not a fan of this particular card. I, I think in the current meta, I understand why it was printed with lots of two drop 5Ks around. Uh, and lots of things that reduce damage to zero on those cost two 5k bodies uh, from abilities, but this is forward fight effect, so gets around those uh, with a little more consistency. So I get why it's printed. It's definitely far from my favorite legend uh, in the set here, uh, Travis. If it weren't a monk, I probably wouldn't even look at it, but True. it can go in with monks. The monks generally have a way to boost power to make her a little stronger. She feels very weak at a natural 6k. Obviously, you have the discard effect. Uh, it's not my type of card at all. Again, maybe it's fine in monks and also the artwork. Like, what, There is such a good Prish Mobius artwork to pick from. Like, hey, man, ago, so. don't you make fun of my cat, uh, my Final Fantasy XI <laughs> oh, screenshot art. Damn it. it. Don't you do that. <laughs> Never again can this guy come back. Never. <laughs> I've made fun of him too, and I'm here every week. So, <laughs> what does that tell you? Go well, ahead, Adam. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with Travis. I think I wouldn't probably give this as much reading as if I didn't see the job Monk on there. And because Monk is there, I think it gives her a little bit more wiggle room. And she's kind of like, I mean, she has ways to get bigger. So if you want to take out a big target, you could try. But there's a lot of counterplay to that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I don't think she's bad. I don't think she's very good either. Um. But I think, you know, if, if monks are good, you'll probably see her a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, monks has had a, a little bit of a backslide, particularly with the Sophie ban a while ago. Uh, kind of kicked that deck back. It's it's It still can be very, very strong. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it is not a tier zero deck. I agree. Monk makes this something you might think about putting in deck. But I still think at the end of the day, there's probably better decisions for those slots in most cases, unless you are skewing your monks very heavily towards, you know, like a Hecaton fight uh, yeah. situation, then maybe this is a better consideration. I'm going to give it a four. I don't think you're going to see it all that often. Some of that has to do with the fact that monks has slid back a little bit. Some of that has to do with the fact that it's just not a great card. It doesn't read yeah. terribly. I just think you might have better options, Travis. Five from me. Adam? Yeah, five as well. Oh, all right, so can Earth be redeemed? <laughs> Seven drop Shadow Lord at 9K, more beautiful Mobius art. There, are you happy with that Cat 11 art, Travis? Are you happy with that Cat 11? It does look better, yes. This looks 50 times better. Yeah. Shut the, up. The other, the other was a screenshot yeah, from a on, game a that's 20 plus years old. There is so much nostalgia in those screenshots. You shut look, your mouth. I, I understand. You can like them. I'm not saying you can't like them. I'm just saying... When Shadow Lord enters the field, name a job. Break all the forwards with the name job and job standard units. When three or more forwards are put in, uh, from the field into the break zone by this effect, Shadow Lord deals you one point of damage. And at damage five, Shadow Lord gains a thousand power and brave, and his element becomes dark. So a 10k brave dark forward at five damage or more. Uh, I feel like this was when they were... Doing the last set, 
they were like, yeah, we probably better build some soiree counters into the following set. So, hey, let's give him Shadow Lord and and make it jobbed base. Obviously, there's a lot you could do with this against Samurais, against Monks that we were just talking about, against even Scions. Like, Scions are enjoying a little bit of a, a resurgence right now, particularly with some 14 Fire Love. Um, so there's there's quite a few decks, tribal-based decks, that Shadow Lord could really wreck the day of. Uh, but it does cost seven and you got that. If I'm running any dark cards, I, I got, I gotta be really careful when I take damage. If shadow Lord is out on the field, uh, so that I don't lock myself up. It's kind of weird. Uh, but you know, even in the, yeah, medics, right. Even in the soiree deck, you got to deal with Madame Adele before, this will take out the soiree members too. So, yeah. I don't know. It's cute. Uh, I like him. But I don't know if I'll ever put him in anything, Travis. I, I don't know. He's such a direct comparison for Titan, which is also a 7-cost 9k body that comes in and wipes the field. Except Titan deals your opponent a point of damage if you hit enough guys. Uh, to me, the big thing is, but Titan can't hit 9Ks, so he's really going to depend on the meta. Are Samurais and Avalanche popular? Because he can hit Tenzin, he can hit Barret, and those are two key targets. He doesn't really deal with Soirees because Madame Edel protects them, so he's kind of meaningless there. Uh, th th so that'll really be the big determining factor is like, are those, are you, do you want to pick him over Titan? In general, I would say no, but again, if I have to deal with Barrett constantly, then maybe I'm going to go to Shadow Lord. Honestly, my biggest issue with this guy is that he's an Earth. Earth already has so many ways to wipe the board. Hecaton Kyre, Shantoto, Titan. Like, if this was in Lightning or Ice, I'd be all over it. But because it's like, oh, cool, another Earth board wipe, like, thanks. What are you thinking, Adam? Yeah, I'm kind of right there, too. It's just, like, Earth has a lot of stuff that already kind of does this. Um, and then he has a drawback. And then damage 5 for him, it's like, eh, yeah. it's all right. Um, like, that feels bad if you get caught with double dark I, out because you took the fifth point of damage, right? Yeah. That just wish, feels awful. I wish he called 6, but I know why they didn't do it. I'm assuming because of Star Sybil. They didn't want him to call 6. Mm, yeah, because then he could freebie um, him. You, you could search him and then cracker and play him. Um, but I just feel like, is that really that bad? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe they tested it. And they were like, this is ridiculous. So they upped him to seven. But I think at seven, I think there's just other options that are generically better. Um, yeah, this guy might, like Travis said, get the job done better against some other things. But a lot of times, Titan and Shantota are just going to get you there if that's your play. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know if even running one of this guy is worth it. What's your score? But, like I don't think his effect is necessarily bad. It's just because of all the stuff that already exists. So I'll, I'll still say he's a six because I think there's some use there, but I don't think he's particularly strong. What you got, sure Travis? The six. The six. Yeah, I'll give it the same thing. It's it's one of those odd situations where there's not something bad about you, but there's not something great about you either. And yeah. I definitely share the opinion that could we please stop giving Earth more board clears could we please yeah, stop? there's a couple elements that don't even have any so right. we could really use it right eggs death in lightning here comes my element boys let's see if it's worth a damn this set four drop 8k eggs death if there are 10 or more cards removed from the game eggs death gains 2000 power when eggs death enters the field remove all the characters in each player's break zone 
from the game. At the end of each of your turns, if there are 20 or more cards removed from the game, your opponent selects one character they control and removes it from the game. I don't think we've had an eggs death yet that, and I'm a huge eggs death fan. I've, 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 uh, don't tell anybody. I've, I've tried to make Grand Cross decks work. Um, that was more thematically on than this one. <laughs> like that is just perfect. Like absolutely. Now, is the effect any good, Adam? So, I read the sky a bunch because, like, I was like at first, I was like, man, that's really hard to do. And I think it is still kind of hard to do. But then I'm like, is the payoff worth it? And I think, man, if you can somehow do it, I think this is a pretty good card. But you're going to need other cards to help you get there. And then I think sometimes in games, just removing a break, the break zone might just be good enough and, and becoming a 10K. Um, but I think you're playing this guy probably because you want to try to maybe get the 20. But maybe maybe the I, I'm overthinking it and the 10 is enough to play him like just a 10k that can nuke some break zones uh maybe you're playing <laughs> dark lord <laughs> that card is a meme but uh i doubt you're doing that by the way maybe maybe it's that good but i doubt it um but i, I think he's pretty good actually like i think i don't know like i think that the, tw the 20 might just be icing on the cake i think the other two effects might just get you there i think in like lightning earth i dig him I really, really dig them. Like, I might try and tech this into my Lulu, my five-drop Lulu deck. Like, because it's already running, you know, Shantoto to to keep off the early aggression. It's already running Mist Dragon to, to do some break zone -y things. Like, you know, I've already got ways to sock a couple of... And that doesn't even start examining the more and more ways that we've got now, Travis, of removing our own cards from the game intentionally uh, with some cards in recent sets. Uh, yeah, Alba's definitely gonna <laughs> have some fun there, right? Player and swing. Two. Got two already. We're almost there. We're almost there. I think it's fun. I definitely want to mess with it, but I think I'm kind of with Adam on I don't know exactly how good or bad this is. This is one of the ones I've gotten to play test against. I've actually fought against it in Lightning Earth, just what you said, so that's kind of funny. Uh, I crapped all over it. It didn't ever do anything to me. If there aren't 10 removed already, it was a perfect Amaterasu target. Like, yep, see ya. And then, unfortunately for this person, they never were able to even get him to 20. It was a lot harder than I think at first read because it doesn't target summons. So there was a lot of summons that just couldn't touch. And then, so I haven't seen it yet when it gets to 20, but even when it gets to 20, like what made Neo X death strong was that you could put it down early so that they only have one thing they can set because their board's so small. If you drop this guy middle or late game, okay, yeah, they have to remove a character, but anytime you give your opponent the option to pick what they want to do, they're going to pick the least damaging thing. Oh, this backup that wasn't doing anything? Sure, I'll remove that. Oh, this monster that I wasn't using? Or So I'm not super high on him. I wasn't impressed when I fought against him. I would love someone to show me the light, but yeah, overall I uh, feel a little let down by him. I think I got to give this one a five for now, and that is not to say that I think the effect is bad or I think the effect is good. I think I'm just too much of a question mark on this right yeah. now to really <laughs> rate it fairly. Uh, so I'm going to put it right in the middle, five. Yeah, yeah, there are ways to make it cheaper with with uh, in a mannequin's deck, but I think if you're going to run a mannequin's package like that, you're probably running a different eggs death 
uh, for different reasons. So I don't, I don't know how often you might do that. Maybe you tech him as a one of in that, that, that mannequin build. Um, I'm going to put him as a five now. I think I can have a lot of fun with this. I'm a little worried about the consistency, and that's what kind of leaves me in the air on, is this really good or is this really bad? And I'm going to yep. wait until I've played it to take it off of that five, Adam, because I'm definitely going to play it, and I'm sure we will do it on stream, and I'm sure Travis and I will play it against each other at some point uh, yeah. so that we can show it off and see if it works or not. What do you got, Adam? Yeah, this could be a card that I'm definitely wrong on, but I, I just feel like the, the two effects are pretty good. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say seven. I think he has a lot of upside, but um, he could just be bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, so. Go ahead. I'll join you in his category for five. Five for his category. All right. Last Lightning, Hooded Man, 8K, four drop. You cannot play Hooded Man or card name Kane while already in control of either character. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, haste. When Hooded Man enters the field, choose one card name Hooded Man or a card name Kane in your break zone. You may remove it from the game. When you do so, activate all the backups you control and draw a card. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. I kind of love this card. I kind of love this card. Uh, I am a big fan anytime my favorite element gets activation or draw. And this gets both. And there are decks that I'm already running a cane or two in to accomplish other things. And once he's accomplished them, I don't mind getting rid of them. I don't know if I build a round hooded man uh, with the way I play lightning, but I could certainly see maybe some lightning wind shit going on here that would really, really suck and make <laughs> make some uh, make some noise. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna defer to you first, Travis. This is one I've kind of gone back and forth on. Um, I'm not super high. On, see, the, the thing is, I think my issue is that every all the text on him reads great. You know, uh, Opus One Pain, he pays for himself. He's got haste. He draws a card. Fantastic. Nothing wrong with that. But I am totally the type of player that I will not see the other copy of Hooded Man. <laughs> so I won't. You can't use him. You can't right. use him if there's not another copy in himself. And I don't like these. So to me, two of the most prominent summons in the game right now are Mist Dragon and Amaterasu. And I don't like these cards that are vulnerable to both. Right you in their wheelhouse. Yeah. Or when they go to remove the Hooded Man, you go, actually, you don't have one in your break zone. So congrats. You just played a card for nothing. Uh, and the other Wind Hooded Man is really good, too. But again, maybe if you're just playing Lightning, you don't care about that. So I'm a little low on him. But I think it's a lot of it's because me as a player i'm that person i'm not gonna have the ammo to actually use him because his actual effect when it goes off is undeniably great go ahead Krona. yeah so i think i kind of touched on this earlier we talked about edgar but um a big thing in final fantasy when you're deck building competitively um is name clash right and I, a lot like i don't think he clashes like i mean granted i'm not super familiar but i know like we talked about the wind legend kane i think from the last set i don't really know if that sees a ton of play it does but not. i don't really i don't really feel like a lot of kane see play so you don't really want to dilute your deck with kane so then you're doing what travis said right where you're going to run more hooded mans now and then like that could be good if you get to resolve this but then if it gets blown out now you're just running hooded mans that kind of like i mean i don't think he's bad i think he actually reads pretty decent I think he's like like an okay card. I just I worry about like he doesn't he's not a build around card. You don't want to play a bunch of canes and hooded mans. And then like it might be an effect that you resolve once and it feels really good. You get to activate all your stuff and draw a card. Um but like do you want to play like three hooded mans for that? And then if you're running two, you're probably never gonna get this off. Um 
So that's kind of where I'm at. It's like I'm not sure how he fits in to an actual deck. I'm gonna without, tuck. Like, I'm gonna tuck him into it. into decks that I have that I am using the eight drop cane to do some other stuff with. Oh, true. The power so, reduction. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna tuck him. I'm gonna tuck one uh, in in some of those decks and let you know. Uh, I do very very much like this. Again, even if it doesn't see a ton of play at the end of it, I do find I do like and I have to respect my element getting some of these things that other elements have that you know just for whatever reason seem to be bouncing over lightning like it's a yeah oh wait you get to draw a card how come i never get to draw cards this game <laughs> sucks um so i gotta i gotta give it there i'm gonna give it an eight uh that's probably i'm gonna say inflating it a little bit uh on its actual worth simply because i personally have a couple of decks that i think teching one of these or maybe even two of them in in one case isn't a bad idea because it's already kind of meeting the requirements. Yeah, it dies to a mod. Yeah, Miss Dragon hurts it. But I have other ways of dealing with some of those things. I think I can get this to to pop off and, and help a little bit and allow a little more explosive explosivity in in a turn with five backups back up and, and another card in hand. I could also end up burning all of them. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an eight for now, acknowledging that that may be a little inflated because of my love for all things purple, Adam. Yeah, I think I'm just going to say he's a five. Um, maybe a maybe Oh, maybe I'm inflating the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, he could be a six. I mean, like, I, I don't think a six is, like, that crazy. Like, I mean, he, he reads okay. Like, he has haste. He's And, and like, if he if it resolves, it's good. But I just, I'm just not sure he fits. I don't know. I just find a hard time, like, fitting him because you have to run multiple copies or you're running multiple canes. Right. So... Finish it I'll up. give it a six as well. Very much concur with Adam that it just kind of makes deck building awkward. But Michael, I would love to see this succeed. So I hope you're right that he's a lot better than I'm thinking. I didn't say he was going to be good. I said I was going to like him. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big difference, gentlemen, a big difference. Uh, Travis, I'm going to let you start on this one because I know you very, very lo uh, much love this card. Three drop, 7K, water forward, glass yellow, Wazette from FFBE. You can pay with a crystal instead of an S discard when paying the special abilities of category FFBA characters you control. When it enters the field, you gain a crystal and has a special of its own for a discard, a water, and one to choose a forward. Deal it 2k damage for each character you control. Kind of a crappy special, but you're probably not running this for its own special in most cases, Travis. Oh boy, oh boy, how wrong you are. Sir, oh, I have okay. seen this wow. card a lot and playtested it. Uh, this is the legend of the set, and and that's just because it's the most interesting one. It gives the most unique ability. It has this field effect that not only affects forwards, affects characters, and unlike Six, which got three new cards with specials in this set, Glacella got, I think, eight, so she has way more support. She gives herself a crystal. So I, I like you, I kind of just dismissed that special at first. I was like, she's there to support everybody else. No, she can solo games by herself because it counts characters, which means forwards, backups, monsters. Yeah. I've seen oh, yeah. someone drop this off of three backups with an Atomos out. They're nuking you for 10K. Pitch a card, 10K, pitch a card, 10K. And it gets to 14 and 16 and these just absurd values like... It's that card that you just have to kill. And if you have the Gargus guy out too, and he he's just says pay a crystal minus 6,000 to two forwards, which is just nuts. Like seeing it in practice and seeing people play with it, it's just, 
it's a monster. I thought it was going to be more you have to support it with other stuff, but seeing her just solo, nope, kill that, kill that, kill that, as many crystals as I have, like oh, cards, right. cards ridiculous. She's a beast. All right, so more FFB getting banned, according to Travis. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think she reads really, really strong. Um, again, I like this kind of alternate way. This definitely reads better than the Edgar in that regard, for sure. Um, the like I'm not as familiar with the ones in the set, to be fair, but I do know like Light Rain exists, and that's a pretty good S. So uh, I mean, not having to run three of that guy sounds okay. I guess I'm not again. I'm not like super sure how good it is in the current meta or anything, but I, I do agree too. I think the the special she has is actually pretty relevant, just because it is character and she has access to it like immediately, very easily, because of her tags. Um, so like sometimes you just pay three and then you pay two more and you, you use their effect. Or if you have a Tomos, like Travis said, I mean, you're basically getting it for free. Um, so that, I mean, that seems really strong. I think I think she's really strong. I don't know if she's he in strong, but she could be. All right, I can be swayed. I can be swayed. I already liked the card. I already thought it was strong. I just didn't give it special enough credit. Uh, you know, I, I just felt like... There, there are probably other specials you want to get off with those crystals. Yeah, I thought uh, the same thing. <laughs> and so, but I can be swayed. I can be swayed. Uh, I am going to give it a nine. Uh, that's where I was going to put it to begin with. If the special is as strong as you say, I could very much see a ten here. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with nine and say that while the special, okay, I agree, fine, you've swayed me, can uh, take out some stuff along the way. I still think you're probably more interested in getting other specials off. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a nine. It, it's damn strong, and it's definitely one I'm going to mess with. 100%, Travis. I will give it a 10 uh, simply for creativity, if nothing else. That, and I, I'm not even a Brave Exvius <laughs> fan, but I do appreciate these cards with alternative special costs, like Edgar, like Waka from The Guardians. So whether I even use it myself or not, I don't know, but it is at least creative and it makes the game feel at least a little different in its play style. So for that alone, I give her a 10. Plus, I think she's good. Where are you coming uh, in, Kronos? I'll sit on a nine. I, th I think I think she's definitely very good. Um, I just, I've already, like, I think he and for me is the best. So I, I, I find it hard to give her a 10 as well, but I think she very well could be. I think if she has enough stuff to abuse plus her stuff, she could very well be a 10. The other water, 5-drop 8K Minwoo. Before paying the cost to cast Minwoo, you can remove three summons, each of a different element in your break zone from the game to reduce the cost required to cast Minwoo by three. And a zero-cost action ability to choose one ability that is choosing a forward you control. Cancel its effect. You can only use that ability once per turn. Adam, I'm going to let you start with this one. So this is another one I had to read a couple times um and he's kind of he's interesting because i mean if you could do it and he costs two and then the cancel effect is kind of free but again it like starts to stack so you're kind of I, I'm, I'm really not sure how to feel about this guy actually this is probably one of the ones i'm torn on too um and you're also like in order to like really make him like reduce his cost you have to run it's got to be like multi-element stuff so i guess then you're probably running like what like Trial and uh, like Ridia, that type stuff. Maybe I, I don't know. I'm not really sure if that's like still really good. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's kind of average because there's other stuff that can like cancel, and you have ways to like 
do it and be a bit more cheeky, but it is free. But it's also only once. I mean, it's once per turn because it's free. It would have to be. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Travis, what do you got? He is incredibly matchup dependent. I've gotten to see him in action. I've gotten to play against him. And he says choose ability. It doesn't say special action or auto. It just So as long as it's not a summon, he can cancel it. So if you are going against someone who is very reliant on a lot of single target removal, he'll just lock the game out by himself. And I've seen it happen. It's pretty disgusting. However, if they have stuff that doesn't care about that, you know, things like Famfrit or even just a big board cleave that hits everyone that doesn't target specifically, or if yeah, they're running the, the really have to be choosing is one of the things I locked in on immediately that yeah, it has it, to be something that chooses. Mm hmm. So in those matches, he doesn't do anything and you feel like you wasted your CP on him. So, he, he's one of those cards that if this game ever had a side deck, he'd be perfect for because you'd slot him in. Oh, this person's all single target. Here comes Minwoo. Game's going to be over. I'm just going to steamroll him. Uh, so he's just, yeah, he's kind of hard to evaluate because he's just so matchup dependent. He he is genuinely great in the situation he's great in, but he's also genuinely a waste of CP in the situation he's bad in. Yeah, I kind of look at it through the lens, uh, the same kind of lens that I looked at Sid Randell. The ice, yeah. the ice one that cancels forwards enter the field effects or effects triggered by forwards entering. There are games that when you played that, you just won. Like mm -hmm. that, that was just it. The game was over there, uh, particularly if you had any type of protection over top of it, whether it was, you know, two drop Charlotte or a three drop summon cancel Edward back up. Like there was just decks that could not do anything at that point. I kind of look at him through the same lens. Um, if you are going to try to target me, that's not going to work. Uh, the problem is, and I always like the ability to cancel abilities. I liked it on, well, obviously on a mod, uh, <laughs> on auto abilities with a mod. But like even uh, Wind Sin, which doesn't mm -hmm. see play but did in Limited, like I like that effect being spread around. And now I like seeing it being spread around in different colors too. Uh, I do like that. The problem here for me is he's a 5-drop 8k that in pretty much every deck you would want his action ability, you really don't want to be running summons of three different colors. Yeah. Like, that's the... So, are you willing to pay 5 for a generic 8k just for that effect, uh, that action ability? Probably not in most cases. Can you make a deck that is very cheeky, or are there some cheeky decks that'll benefit from having him tucked in there? Absolutely. Uh, I got to give him... Uh, I think I got to put him at like a five, though. Uh, I think he is so... You already have a deck that you know he's going to work in. I don't know how many decks you're creating because this card has been printed, if any. So I'm yeah. going to put him at a five, Adam. Yeah, I'm probably going to say it. I'll say a six. I think he, I guess he has some upside, and I think he's better than some cards I've rated a five personally. But yeah, I don't. I think you're right. You hit that kind of like right where you said like I don't think you're building around this guy. He's gonna slot into something that's already there, to maybe for some extra protection. But I don't like paying five for this guy. I don't think so. It has to be reduced. Yeah. Well said. I'll give him a five as well. Yeah. I wish it said up to. Yeah. I wish it said remove up to three summons. And then it's reduced by one CP for yeah, each that summon you got great. rid of. Then I think he would have been wonderful. But because you have to get three, they have to be a different element. And then that takes three off. Yeah. 
Uh, light and dark now. Two drop Maria, 5K forward. The forwards have cost two or less other than Maria. You control gain 2,000 power. Oh, boy. When Maria enters the field, choose up to one backup you control. Activate it. It loses all its abilities. And also, I might be emphasizing that word because I'm seeing the same question asked an awful lot. Also, Becomes a forward with 8,000 power. This effect does not end at the end of the turn, Travis. She's fun. I've gotten to see her play. Uh, the only thing I've seen her in is Samurai's, to be fair, but there are 14 Samurai backups, so someone will do this power turn of Cyan, get Hien, play Hien, play Maria. That 14 backup is now a forward who can attack, and then Hien reactivates it. And again, so you're kind of just dead out of nowhere. Other than that, uh, I mean, she's cute and she's kind of fun. I don't know what else you would use. Maybe you just kind of want to have fun, build a big old, you know, two-cost backup line that Maria can activate. She's probably only going to see niche play, niche play for things like that Hian, but uh, in that, she works pretty well. So there you go. But it's also a light and dark slot, and those are always contested by good cards. Uh, yeah, I... I emphasize the word also because the question I am seeing all the time is is it still a backup because it says yeah. loses the abilities yes it is still a backup it also becomes a forward so yes uh, theoretically you could now tap this forward to produce a CP if you gave it brave it could then attack and be dulled for CP but it <clears throat> excuse me still will always take a backup slot uh, mm -hmm. so it does not give you the ability to throw down a different backup all of a sudden. <laughs> I think it's cute. I like the play space. It's not something I'm going to mess with it. I do really, really like the play space that it, it but there's just, you, you said it. The, the light cards I use in my decks, I use them for very specific reasons. This yeah. doesn't fit any of those reasons enough to override the light selections I've already made. Even with upgrades and changes I'm thinking of making for Rebellion's Call because of cards in the entire set, Maria doesn't all of a sudden fit in there. I do think there are uh, decks that are going to benefit from this, though. Uh, particularly Hyper Aggression Fire is, is probably going to benefit not only from being able to pump backups into forwards or pump a backup into a forward slot all of a sudden, but then also that extra 2K, uh, since those forwards tend to be a little lower on the power scale, that's strong. I mean, that's just really yeah. strong for those types of decks. Uh, Adam, I, I'm going to go ahead and score it now before I toss it over to you. I'm going to give it a six because I think the decks that want to run it, they're going to benefit. I just think there's not very many of those decks, but I love the play space. So actually, because I love the play space, I'm going to bump it to a seven. I'm going to bump it to a seven. Yeah, I think this card's really cool, at least to my knowledge. I'm sure there might be other cards in the set. It's doing something that they haven't really messed with before. Uh, my, I think this is going to cause probably more ruling issues than it will for yeah. being like actually <laughs> yeah, strong. Because uh, I worry about like when you activate it, does it have to be? Does it have to go in the forward spot? Are people going to keep like? Can you keep the backup back? Or and then like, if you put it in the forward spot, people are definitely going to play the extra backup by accident. Like that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I uh, think but, I think the way I would prefer my opponents play it is put a counter on it, like put a die on the backup I, something. I think I prefer it to be in the forward slot just because I think it being in the backup slot is a bit misleading when it has power. But I, I, it's going to be a weird thing that they'll probably have to make a ruling on, to be honest. Because I think, I like I've seen because I've I've seen Magic where they have lands that also. Oh have, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they actually those are, had those to are rule like, on that because of a tournament. Yeah. When those are tucked behind other lands, that could get a bit, you know. And there's, you know, it's I don't I don't like that, but I, I like the play space of the card. I think it's really cool. I think. 
she can do some neat things. Again, it's hard for me to rate because, I, but I think because she's light, she can kind of slot in wherever. Um, so I'll, I'll give her. I'll say she's a seven. Travis, you coming with us? Are we slotting this seven yeah. seven seven straight across? Seven. Ding 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 seven seven seven. <laughs> Triple cherries. We did it. We did it. Seven seven seven. All right, the last one, the last legend, the Emperor. Five drop, 9K with Brave. If a Palmesia counter is placed on the Emperor, the Emperor gains. If the Emperor is dealt damage, remove one Palmesia counter from the Emperor, and the damage becomes zero instead. When the Emperor enters the field, you may search for up to two card name the Emperors and remove them from the game. Then draw one card and place one Palmesia counter on the Emperor. For each card you removed, due to this ability. Now, this is an up-to effect, unlike what we were just talking about, so you can go grab one or two and get a counter and a card for each of those that you discard. Travis, I'm going to let you start this one. It's quite good if you if you actually play it aggressively. So, like, turn one, you play a backup. Turn two, you play this off of that. Assuming you haven't seen the other copies of it, you can just run three copies of this dark card, search it out, play it right to the field. It basically costs you one because you're going to draw two more cards back, and it has some protection. Beyond that, I've been wanting for a while for the Emperor and for Ultros and Preach and these cards that want you to play 18 million different versions of the same card name, which is Adam alluded Emperor, to earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just doesn't work in this game because you just get locked and you have all these dead cards. Give me an Emperor backup that says the Emperor specifically can have different versions of himself on the field. Give me an Ultros backup that does that. Like, I don't know why they keep making more and more Emperor cards that rely on all the Emperor cards and you can't use them all together. Like, uh, so, you know, like the artwork's nice. It's fine if you want to go aggro, but again, it's still a big risk because what if you draw one of the other cards? Now you can't yep. do anything with it. So, Adam, you, you, uh, I, I think Travis has made your point for you on this one. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, that's pretty much exactly how I feel about the card. Um, I think there was a time when like the Ice Emperor deck played a few of like the Dark Emperors, and that was like kind of decent. Yeah. But you always run into the issue, and the more cards they print, the more of an issue it's going to become because you're going to have access to all these other good cards that don't have the same name. Um, and so I don't think this card is necessarily bad. I think in the situation Travis pointed out too, that's actually really good if you can resolve that. But it's also really bad if you open with three dark cards in your hand. Like if you mulligan into that, God, that's got to feel awful. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not all that keen on it. I do continue to look for the Emperor deck, the Emperor Tribal, whatever the hell you want to call that when it's the name of the card and not the job. Uh, this, sure, I think there's a little bit of fun to be had here. I'm just not all that keen on this one. I'm going to put it right at a at a four. Uh, I, I'm even tempted to give it a three just because it is the dark card, uh, which I think drags it down a little more. Uh, in what it's trying to do. So, I, yeah, I, I've swayed myself. I'm going to land at a three for this one, Travis. I'm going to give him his category two, and that'll teach it. Then every new emperor you release, Hobby Japan, I'm going to keep lowering the score. <laughs> Dude, I don't think he's that bad. But, uh, I mean, no, he's I, don't, not. I don't think he's going to see that good, like that much play at yeah, all. I but don't I, either. Maybe there's merit to just running two, you know, less likely to draw into both, and then you just get the one, and he costs basically three. That might be okay. Uh, I'll, I'll give him a five. I think he's, like, playable. Let's go to Love It or Leave It and finish up the show. (laughs) 
Love it or leave it is the way we end every episode of the Relic Grind here on Ready Check Radio. It's where I give you something Square Enix related to all the hosts. Could be a game, could be a feature in a game, a press release, some decision they've made. Doesn't matter. I make up the rules because it's my damn show. And you tell me whether you like it, love it, want more of it, or leave it. Never want to see it again. There is no in-between. And the way we do it on the Legend Review shows is you've got to love one legend and leave one legend. These don't necessarily have to be what you think is the most powerful out of the legend cards or the worst out of the legend cards. These are your personal favorites. So which legend do you love? Which one are you going to leave? Adam, we'll go to you first. Yeah, so for me, it's about power because that's the most important thing, right? So, um, I, well, personally. But so, like, my, my love, it's going to definitely be Hean. I think he's, like, easy, probably going to be ridiculously strong. And then for leave it, I think I'm gonna say Sarah. I just I don't really know if she ever like I don't know. I just don't feel like that card's very good. So, Travis, uh, for love it, I actually I just recently switched it around based off a of different criteria. So for love it, mine's gonna be kind of based on card text. I'm gonna go with Glacella, even though I don't really care for that game. And to be honest, it kind of bugs me that they push a mobile game over some of their older stuff. She's unique. She's creative. She actually gives crystals. Uh, something to do which is a very half-baked mechanic in my opinion so for that i'm gonna go with her whether i'll even need play or not and for the exact same reason i'm gonna give the leave it to the emperor because it's like even if like edgar doesn't work out or sarah doesn't work out at least they tried something the emperor is just how many times are they gonna do the same card over and over again like uh so i'm leaving the emperor behind yeah, uh, my brother from another mother, Jeremy, in chat just summed it up for me. I'm going to love the hooded man because I have decks that I know I can slot him in in one or two spots and have a little bit of fun, provided I also uh, have the, the right safeguards in place to make sure I don't get blown out when I do it. Uh, and I'm going to leave the Emperor, too. Uh, I actually thought about leaving Maria, but I think Maria will see uh, play in a couple spots. So, yeah, my least favorite is going to be the Emperor. Let us know what your favorite and least favorite legends are in the comments below. Talk about your pre-releases or anything Final Fantasy TCG related. And make sure you're joining us Mondays at 7 p.m. when we do our Final Fantasy TCG streams. Some weeks, including this week, those are turning into live local play as well. So sometimes I'll be back here doing stuff at the table and on camera. Like this Monday, I will be live out at our pre-release event that we have some new players going to. Chat, don't go anywhere, though. After the show here, we absolutely are going to keep it live as Faye joins us to play some games. What's up, Faye? What's up? What up? So many good cards. You feeling, be you feeling better this week? You were a little under the weather we're, last week. We're working on it. Here's a PSA for if you're cleaning out a garage and there's lots of mold, wear your mask. Just do it. Don't don't be a hero. It's not worth it. That uh, that's that's good advice. What are you playing today? <laughs> uh, back to the Wonderlands. We actually made some really good story progress last time, so we, oh, nice. the end of the main campaign may be within sight eventually. Chad, don't go anywhere. We just need a minute to relabel things after the show, and then uh, Fay Death will be live in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. We, of course, will be live next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, with another Relic Grind. Remember, there is no gaming gumbo this Saturday and no stream from Torchwick this Saturday as we move Torchwick into his new college. Tarkoth will go live Saturday and Sunday as normal. We'll be right back here next Thursday. Until then, Kronos, where can everybody find you? Yeah, same as always, the Twitters, uh, if you ever want to talk about 
you know, the the game or some Marvel movies, just hit me up on there. <laughs> Travis, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure, sir. Where can everybody follow or check your stuff out? Thank you, sir. Uh, you can see me on Twitter at Marvels underscore the, but it's better to check out my YouTube channel, which is uh, Travis Rudros Pfeiffer, or hit me up on Discord, Rudros number 7688. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll link in uh, below YouTube and on Ready Check Radio. We'll have Travis's channel on YouTube linked there for you. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me personally there at Magic Man One, but more importantly, follow at RC Radio, R A I D E O, on Twitter. And you'll know every time we go live with a podcast or a stream or one of our volunteers is live, who I love them all very much. Until next time, stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Later. Later.